welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message. So, you know, I want us to turn this morning, if you will, to uh, Isaiah chapter 40. It's the word I felt God has for you. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to read from verse 28. Have you, do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. Aren't you glad about that? <laughs> it's like you're Dad, come you playing. Oh, I'm too tired. I've been working hard, working all day. You know, leave me alone. I want to read the paper. He doesn't get tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary. It increases the power of the weak. Even youths, like Andrew, grow tired and weary. Young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not be faint. So here's the, the promise of God to Hope City. Is that God's renewing your hope. Hope City. You see, in the time of rain, God says you should ask for rain. In the time of hope, Hope City, you should ask for more hope. Because we are the hope of this nation. Christians are the hope of this nation. When you look at what's going on, the confusion, the, both internationally, the, the, the possibility of wars, the possibility of economic meltdowns, the possibility of the whole rearranging of society and the order that we know is God's order. There's, there's turmoil in the, in the earth. And where's the hope of this nation? Where's the hope of Australia? It's right in this building and every other building across this nation where people love God and are preaching His word, the eternal word of God. Never pass, doesn't change with governments, doesn't change with, with society, it doesn't change with trends. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The eternal truths from Genesis right the way through. His truth doesn't change, it doesn't fluctuate. His mood doesn't change. His purposes don't change. It's steadfast. Amen. 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 That's our God. So we are the hope of this nation. So God wants to strengthen us so we can strengthen our nation. He wants to give us more hope so we can bring hope to the hopeless. Every time we get an injection of hope, we're going to be able to give something away. Freely you've received, freely give. So I want to give you so much this morning, you're going to just want to give it away. You see, the Bible says in Hebrews 11, 1, it says, Faith, now faith, is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not yet seen. Say not yet seen. So we haven't seen some things yet. That's why we need faith mixed with hope. Hope needs faith and faith needs hope. They're two separate things. Hope is the dream. Hope is the vision. Hope is the intangible, as it were. You can't see it yet, but you can see it in your mind. You've got a dream of something. Faith gives it substance because faith, it says, is the substance of things hoped for. Now, I have faith because I've seen God, God's breakthrough. I remember when I was 15 in the realm of healing, I was in Zimbabwe with, with my father. He was an evangelist. It was one of my first trips with him. I was leading worship for him, even though I only knew the House of the Rising Sun and a few other songs. <laughs> and, and I remember he, he, called, he was at this um, a Catholic seminary for young, uh, you know, Catholic. He was in the, involved in the charismatic renewal and he was ministering all over the nations. 
and he called out the sick, and one of them was a, a young boy, probably 17 years old, just out of school, and he had had polio when he was a child, and so he had this big built-up boot and a, and a straps and a big heel, you know, like a massive seven inches. His leg was shorter than the other, almost a full ruler, 30 centimeters. And he said, my dad said to him, you're not going to need that anymore. Just take it off. And I'm like, you know, at 15, you're like, you can't say that. This could be embarrassing. This could end badly. You see, faith is spelt R-I-S-K. If, if you have faith, you've got to take a risk. So I remember keeping my eyes wide open because that's the best way to see a miracle. If you keep your eyes closed, you won't see it, you know, and you can't be a witness. So I remember he held those young boys' feet, and I watched that leg grow and grow and grow and grow. It took a minute. That leg grew seven inches. Now, you see, what is that? That's evidence. My faith, the substance of my faith is in the evidence of things hoped for. So since that time, whenever I've come across people and they say, well, you know, miracles have passed away. I'm saying, like, it's too late. <laughs> miracles were for, the, were for the primitive church. Miracles were for the, the you know, the, 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 ba the church that were just forming there. I mean, hello. We need miracles this morning. Today, in this place, there are people that need miracles. You need ears opened. You need hearts restored. You need hope lifted. You need a miracle. And I, I, have, I have evidence that God is a God of breakthrough. Because I've seen it with my eyes. So my faith in the things that I haven't yet seen are in the substance of the things I have seen. That's why I testify about a breakthrough, a financial breakthrough, for instance, with that friend of mine. Well, because the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. Every week, every day, we need to hear testimonies of the breakthrough. Because when I hear about your breakthrough, it gives me hope for my breakthrough. I need hope every day. Every day I'm contending for my family, for my church, for people who haven't yet had breakthrough. I'm contending for the things I haven't yet seen. I need faith. And faith, it says, comes by what is heard. So if I hear something that's good, if I hear some good news, say, how many are open to good news? Yeah. Uh, when I hear good news, I'm like, well, that's, if God can do it for them, He can do it for me. Because God's no respecter of persons. Yeah. If God gives them a breakthrough financially, He'll give me a breakthrough financially. Come on. When we got to Sydney, I told the guys last night at the, the, at the partners meeting, we, we discovered that our life's money, all the money we'd ever earned in a, and put into our home when we immigrated, had gone into a company for a 12-month uh, deposit. That company went insolvent. So as we planted Jubilee, we planted Jubilee broke. How many of you know that doesn't feel that great? We lost everything. And it was confusing to me because, as Andrew said, when you tithe, it's meant you meant to rebuke the devourer. I've been tithing since I was 17. My first salary, I tithed. And I've been tithing ever since. I believe in giving God the first fruits. I, I'm a great believer in generosity. And I'm like, I'm confused, Father. How did I lose all my money in Adelaide when I need money to plant a church in Sydney? We had enough for a computer and a sound system. And then for five years, we were really, really poor. I prefer being rich to poor. How many of you have tried poor? It doesn't work that well. God wants to end the spirit of poverty. But I was in that place. And the Lord said to me in year 2000, because he planted the church in 97. So three years later, we were just struggling. He said to me, save the money back. Be intentional. Don't wait for someone to give you money. You earn it back. Save it back. Be intentional. Be aggressive. Reap. Are you here? Are someone listening to me here this morning? Because sometimes we hope 
someone's going to give us an inheritance or someone's going to put a, put a deposit in, in our account. And I'm open to that. But also we have to sometimes say, I'm going to change my lifestyle. I'm going to open a business. I'm going to get more streams of income than what, what I have. If you have one stream, open another stream of income. Get another income stream. Come on. Do something to make more money because then you can earn more. <laughs> it's not rocket science. Save more. Just do some things. Adjust your lifestyle. So we adjusted our lifestyle. We took our kids out of private schools, which saved us $10,000 a year. And we saved $40,000 over the next two years. And we moved into a house that was a rental and, um, because they kept selling the houses that we were living in. And the Lord's, my wife said to me, write to the owner, who was an Anglican minister in Melbourne, and say, if you ever want to sell the house, won't you sell it to us, offer it to us first? Now, it was way out of our range, way out of our range. I was thinking of buying a house in, in, in Timbuktu. Seriously, we had no money. And, and I knew that our house was worth over a million dollars. This is back in 2005. But, but God, say, but God. And so I wrote to him when we moved into the house in 2001 and we were saving this money. And, and I said to him, I'm Finney. Wife says he, we write, we, we're songwriters. I sent him some CDs and we're planning a church in the eastern suburbs. And if you want to sell the house, won't you let us know? And I gave him my number. I didn't hear from him for three years. Then he phoned me and said, hi, it's Paul. I want to sell the house. I said, well, awesome. Have it valued. Let me know. He had it valued at 1.3 million, which was a bit more than what we had. <laughs> Just a little bit more. And he said, but I want to give you my tithe. See, I'm, I, I'm giving you these testimonies because it's helping you shift your thinking. We, we got that house for a quarter of a million dollars less because an Anglican minister who I've never met to this day tithed to me. I didn't even know the Anglicans tithed, but I'm so glad. Come on. He tithed to me just like Abraham tithed to Melchizedek, who's a type of Christ, 400 years before the law. Come on. That's where tithing began. Randomly pops up in Scripture, Melchizedek a priest, you know, in the nature of God. Yeah. And Abraham spontaneously tithes, who's the father of our faith. And here's a man tithing to me. He didn't have to. He didn't need to. This was his, ch his children's inheritance that he was giving to a, 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 an independent church leader who he's never met. But you see, what actually got us the house was that generosity, plus the fact that I, I I'd saved enough money to... to persuade the bank that we were able to have a, a massive mortgage. Come on. We had to persuade them that we could save $40,000 in three years, which we had just through hard work, just through diligence, just through discipline. Say discipline. Disciples <laughs> are disciplined people in prayer, in generosity, in relationships. Discipline. It's, it's just hard work, really. <laughs> like marriage, like parenting. It really requires effort and intentionality to be successful. Come on. And so God worked these things together to give us that home, which has now gone up, I think, four times since we bought it. 400%. Now it's given us equity to help out each of our children buy homes in Sydney against all odds. When everyone's complaining about the house prices, I'm like, we can afford another four or five. Why? I'm, I'm telling you, supernaturally, because we did what we could do, and then God did what He can do. Yeah. It's not like I'm going to sit on my hands and say, oh God, bless me. 
No, I'm going to work with what's in front of me. I'm going to be faithful so that if I'm working for a boss, I'm going to be the most amazing employee. I'm going to be the happiest, the earliest. I'm going to stay the longest. I'm, I'm going to not complain. I'm going to put in the hours so that people are going to say, when, if I want a job done, I'm going to turn to that person because they're the most amazing. If, if there's an increase coming, they're going to get the first increase. You see, because I'm going to position myself for the blessing of God. I'm not going to expect him just to snap his fingers. And then I'm going to expect the supernatural, which is those little things, that mysterious things you cannot account for that get us over the line in the breakthrough. Are you hearing me? This is the testimony. The testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. It's the substance of things hoped for. When I hear a testimony, every week I hear testimonies. We have people jumping up every week in front of our church and talking about healing, talking about breakthrough, talking about miracles, talking about salvations, because we believe that every single person, every Christian can work miracles. Every single one. Everyone can hear from God. Everyone can prophesy. Not everybody's a prophet, but everyone can prophesy in turn. Which means that every day, I don't know how many hundreds are here this morning, but every day between us, we're reaching thousands of people a week because we're interacting with shop owners, with employees, employers, with neighbors, with friends. If they have a need, if we see them limping, if we see them suffering, if we see them in tears, we can say, I, I, I wonder if I can pray for you. You see, that's you giving away the kingdom. The kingdom's in you, but you've got to give it away. And then it grows and your faith grows because you see someone's life touched. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Testimonies, that's why I'm giving you many of them, is the evidence of things not yet seen. There's evidence. My faith is not based just on hope, but hope is required to activate my faith. I need hope. I need hope in the things I can't yet see. I don't need faith now to buy a house in Sydney. I needed faith, but now I already have received what I've asked for. Now I'm asking for our church building, which we've now spent one and a half million dollars fixing up and the owners won't sell it to us. <laughs> I need faith for that because I haven't yet got it. So I'm saying every day, Lord, I thank you for a, for a, for a mortgage-free building for our, for our church home. I thank you for several churches in Sydney. I thank you for the churches that we're planting in Adelaide and Cairns and, and Johannesburg and, and every church that we're involved in. I thank the Lord all the time because there are things I, ha I haven't yet seen that I need faith for. But my faith is based on the substance of things I hoped for before. And so now I'm just shifting the goalposts. I just keep moving the goalposts. I've, I've received this. I've received that. I've received that prophetic word. That's fulfilled. There's another 15 that are not yet fulfilled. But because I've seen so much fulfilled, I know God's good. And I know He's just waiting to bless me. And He wants me to have the faith to receive it. He wants me to activate my faith. He doesn't want me to be passive. He wants me to be active. Active faith. Every day I speak the things that are not yet real. Why? Because God's like that. He looked at Simon. Jesus looked at Simon. He said, Simon, which means a reed, you know, blowing in the wind, just opening his mouth, changing feet. That was Peter was like. And so he said, Simon, I'm going to change your name to Peter the rock. Because he, in Romans 4, 17, it says, God is the God who calls those things that be not as though they were. He calls those things that be not as though they were. So when we speak the things that we hope for that are not as though they were, we're agreeing with God. Come on. 
It's words of faith. It's the, well, yeah, how can you say that? It's not yet true. No, I'm just saying what God has said about me. I'm, I'm living debt free. I'm living with all my kids serving God. I'm living with all my family saved. I'm living with several churches planted in Sydney. I'm living with, with, with these things in my life. I can't get to see them, but I can see them. I can't see them. I don't own them, but I can see them. Oh, because faith is a substance of things hoped for. The evidence. I love faith. I love substance and evidence. Say substance, substance. and evidence. evidence. That's why I tell your story to people. You see, when you tell your testimony, when you in interacting with someone, I was on, a, on the plane yesterday flying in from Sydney. I sat next to a beautiful lady and we, I introduced myself and I asked her, what's your story? Tell me about your life. Well, because I want, I want to know about it. I'm, I'm a good listener. Because when people tell their story, it's, it's inviting. And so she told me her story and then she said, what about your story? And I told her my story and then I was testifying to her about the goodness of God. And it turns out she's a Christian and we mutually encouraged each other and what, what, what happens is that a story is unthreatening. I'm not preaching at her. I'm not telling her, you need to do this and you do that with your life. No, I'm just telling her, this is what God did in my life. This is how we got the breakthrough. Isn't God good? How can you argue with that? I'm not telling them gay marriage, this and that, you know, some sort of controversial. I'm just telling them this is what happened in my life. This is how God healed my marriage. Because I was a grumpy bum. And I was working too hard. And I neglected my wife and my children because I was working too hard, even though I was working for God. Come on. And I'm vulnerable. And I tell them my story. And that disarms people because they're like, oh, he's real. I can relate to that. I can, I can listen to that. And I can hear how God's, I can see how God's healed your marriage. And that testimony gives me faith for my marriage. Come on, are you listening to me? You see, that's the way we minister to our community. That's why we bring hope. When we, in an area of our life that we've received hope, we're able to give hope. Jesus said to Simon, the same Simon Peter, he said, Simon, Simon, Satan has sought to sift you like wheat. It's in Luke 22. But I have prayed for you, and when you that your faith might not fail. And when you turn back, strengthen your brothers. I love that passage because my faith has been sifted so many times. Come on. We have faced church splits. We've faced cancer. I've had cancer. We've faced all sorts of trauma over the years with our kids, with different things. Things that really could have wiped us out. Was God sifting us? No. When you want to teach your kids that a stove is hot, do you put their hand on the stove to teach them the stove is hot? Well, no, God doesn't give us cancer. He doesn't have it. No heavenly cancer. What have you got? Heavenly cancer. I've got, I've got the God flu. No, it doesn't exist. No, Jesus predicted that with the call of God that was on Peter's life, that Satan wanted to sift his life. Sift it. And when I've been sifted, how many of you have been sifted before? But you see, you're still here. Loving God, smiling. No one knows the depth of your pain. No one knows what you've been through to keep standing. That you've done everything you can to stand and you're still standing. God bless you. Come on. There's, there's, a, there's a victory in that. What are you doing? Just standing. No, what do you read? I'm just standing. That's all. Doing my best. Don't push me over. <laughs> Come on. You see, that sifting is the Satan. Satan sifts the church. He sifts believers. He sifts our lives. To see, what do you believe in? Do you believe in tithing? Do you believe in generosity? Do you believe in healing? How come you haven't been healed yet? For two years you've been playing for healing. Well, I don't care. 
I don't care how long it takes. But, you know, it doesn't matter how many times you pray. Because sometimes we pray for someone, someone else prays for them, and then a third person prays, and they get the breakthrough. Ultimately, God gets the glory. You know, when I pray for someone, I don't get the glory. I didn't heal them. I was just a delivery boy. I just delivered the gift of healing from God to them. I don't get the praise. I can't heal anybody. I'm delighted when there's healing. I, was, I remember here two years ago, I prayed for a woman who had been crippled for 20 years. She had walked with a pronounced limp. I don't know if you were in that meeting. I, I still got it on my iPhone. And she was healed. Her, she had a missing disc in her spine. And her leg grew. And she started running around the building. I remember that because I've got it on video. Who got the glory for that? Not me. I can't do that stuff. But God got the glory. Come on. There's a man that, that owns a cafe around the corner from the church. It's kind of my other office because one of the major food groups is coffee. And uh, it's a very important part of your day. Holy. <laughs> That's why I love the book of Hebrews. But I was there two years ago and, and, and uh, his name's Sam. He's a, him and his wife, Italian. They love, they, they love coffee. They love, we love them and we've given them a lot of business over the years because we have conferences that, and we use their cafe. And uh, he was bent over like, like the hunchback. I mean, honestly, he, he couldn't stand up. He had, he, had, he had a bulging disc in his spine. He was at a pinched nerve. He, had been to, he, had, he told me his words, I've spent thousands of dollars, chiropractors, acupuncture, physiotherapy and they want to do surgery but I'm just not sure if it's I said look God can fix that and I gave him testimony from your church testimony from some things that people I'd prayed for in Cairns and Johannesburg I'd had a range of miracles over that previous few months uh, significant back miracles and I told him one story after other because I know that he doesn't go to church he needs faith and faith comes by hearing yeah. so I just told him a few stories and he said I said to him can I pray for you he said what like here now i said well we can go in the kitchen it's more private you know so i took him back into the kitchen out of the out of the cafe and i sat him down on a chair just like i would in church because you know god also can move in cafes apparently and uh, i measured his legs one was shorter than the other and i said to him i said to him sam i said you're going to watch you keep your eyes open i'm going to pray i'm going to close my eyes you keep your eyes open because you're going to see and feel your leg grow so he was like, so he did, and God, in one minute, grew his leg. He stood up. Five months, he couldn't, he couldn't straighten his back. He was, he was walking like this for five months. He stood up like that. He was shocked. I remember him looking at, you know, looking at a non-Christian who's shocked. Because, you know, God loves the whole world. He doesn't just love Christians. He'll heal them before they get saved. Sometimes that's the way they get saved. Anyway... He was shocked. I said, how are you feeling? He said, all the pain's gone. I said, Looks, you look a, lot, look a lot better. Colors come back. <laughs> I said, I'll come in, back and check on you in an hour. And I went out and I came back an hour later. And I said, how are you doing, Sam? He said, no, really. I'm fine. I said, well, thank the Lord. It wasn't me. I was just a delivery boy. From that day, they give me free coffee every day. <laughs> come on. Come on. The Bible says, do not forget all his benefits. <laughs> I saved thousands of dollars. That wasn't my intention. I just wanted to get him out of pain. Testimony.
Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Isaiah 40. Those, but those. Say, but those. those. You see, it says, even the youth grow tired and weary. Every one of us are vulnerable to weariness. If you have had some calamity, some trauma in your life, some thing that you're fighting a journey, you're fighting for. It could be financial, it could be physical, it could be emotional. You're fighting a journey. Well, you get weary in the battle. That's the nature of the battle. Jesus got weary. When he sat down at the well, it says he was because he was tired. His divinity was restrained in his, sorry, his, yeah, his divinity was restrained in his humanity. He was fully God, but he fell asleep in the boat because he was exhausted. There was a storm and he, his, everyone was terrified. He was asleep. Why? Because he was exhausted. Every day, every moment of his waking moment, there were people crowding around, touching the hem of his garment, pulling on him for miracles. And so when he was tired, he was really tired. I've been there, really tired. But it says, but those, but those. Say, but those. I want to be amongst the those. It says, those who wait, those who hope. That's the word. The word for hope is the word wait. Those who, those who, who, Push into God. I'll give you the exact word because Andrew, it'll impress Andrew. <laughs> the word is kavah, to wait, to hope, to eagerly look for the Lord. will renew their strength. So how do we renew our strength? How do we get back to that place of renewed hope? Even though we've had hope, we lose hope. We have had strength, we lose strength. We've had faith, we've lost faith. Maybe in an area. Maybe some area of your life, you've got, you've got full of faith. You've got faith for salvation. You've got faith for this. But another, an area has been burned out. And how do I get faith back into that area? I'm so glad you asked that question. You've got to press back into God like you did this morning. You see, in the worship, in the presence of God, there's fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. And you can be exhausted. You can be absolutely wiped out. And you say, if I could just get into God's presence if I could just find you said that's what the woman with the issue of blood did she just thought she thought in her mind if I can just get to Jesus even though I'm got an issue of blood which which means I shouldn't be in public I shouldn't I should be outside the city that's what happened when when women had that issue or even during their period they had to be out of the city I'm going to not care what people think I'm not going to be self-conscious I'm going to press in because my pain and my suffering for all these years I've been suffering is worth it I'm going, to get, I'm going to get what I need. And so she pressed into God. She intentionally, she eagerly looked for God. And so you can be exhausted. You can have had a bad day. You can have a bad week. You can have a bad month. But you just determine in your mind, I'm going to go and worship God. I'm going to worship Him because it costs me to worship. When you don't feel like worshiping, it costs you something. That woman who with the expensive perfume who came in and she was, she'd had a, a rough life. She had a, whatever she was into, it was notorious. Use your imagination. People knew about her. She's like, if Jesus just knew who she was, what she'd been up to, like, hello, isn't that exactly who church is for? Why judge people who come in our doors? If, 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 you know, if that, isn't that where we're meant to be? A, a haven for the, ho- for the hopeless? Aren't we meant to be a haven for the hopeless people of this, of this world? Well, she came in hopeless, but she thought, if I get to him, I'm, 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 I'm forgiven. And she pressed in into a dinner party, Broke, you know, just broke the atmosphere of propriety and everything. You know, the, the, the Pharisee is like, I want to have a perfect meal. I want the ambience to be right. She comes in, snot, wailing, perfume, tears, properly, maybe dressed improperly. I don't know why she wasn't dressed. She wasn't invited to the party. She just crashed it. Come on. 
I love those kind of services. Come on. Because someone's pressing into God. And while you see the, the woman with the issue of blood, she got healed. The woman who was notorious, she got forgiven. Her f- sins were forgiven. And rather than, than, than be the person who was on the, the sideline judging who was where all the snot was going on, we should just participate. We should see someone getting touched and think, I'm glad for them. I want to lean into that. That's the goodness of God being displayed right there. I'll have a bit of that. I, w- I could deal with some goodness in my life. That's how our strength is renewed. That's how our, and you can have it like that. You don't have to take 15 weeks of, of doing a course on hope. You can get your hope like that. You can get your hope restored. You almost feel schizophrenic because you're in this hopelessness. You're in the sense of weakness and despair. And it's, it's all, my life's falling apart. You get into the presence of God, half an hour of worship, and you think, it's not so bad. Why? Because you get perspective. It says, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings on eagles. What does an eagle do? Eagle has perspective where a chicken doesn't have. Come on. A chicken scratching around the dust. All it can see is, is head height, kneecaps, bushes. Come on. But when you're an eagle, you've got perspective. You can see in the distance. You can see the past. You can see the future. You can see far and wide. You're like, this is where I belong. I belong on the high places. That's where you belong. You belong on the high places. You belong where you can step back, look at your life, and look at those around you, and look at the future and think, I know where I'm going. Because the, God, the Lord says to you today, Hope City, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Like any good father. The plans that I've got for my kids are to give them hope and a future and property and children and businesses. Because that's, that's what a dad thinks like. Well, our father, he says that we, though we evil, know how to give good gifts to our children. How much more will our heavenly father give good things, good things, good gifts the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Ask, expect, knock, keep on knocking. Because that's the way God is. God's nature is in, He's impressed by our pressing in. He's impressed by our hunger. He's impressed when we're not complacent. He's impressed when we say, I'm believing God for more. I'm trusting God for more. I know that God's good. This season in my life is going to end. I'm going to come through this. You know, when you're in the valley of the shadow of death, Psalm 23, just keep walking. <laughs> Don't build a house there. Don't settle down. Don't live in the valley of the shadow of death. Just keep walking. We go through it. All of us have been through it at some time or other. Maybe you're in it right now. Just keep walking. Just keep walking right through. Don't stop. Because surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's goodness. That's, that's, that's the promises of God. Surely, even though in the, in, in, in the presence of my enemies, God... Set, set a table before me, even in the presence of my enemies. It's like even in the, in the dark places, even in the, in the, tr- the trials and tribulations, I'm going to have a meal. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to refresh myself. I'm going to renew my strength. And I'm going to mount up with wings like eagles. I'm going to run and not grow weary. I'm going to walk and not be faint. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit because I am of those, those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. I'm going to be a person who continually renews their strength. I'm going to finish 2017 stronger than when I began. How many want that? 
I'm going to finish 2017 stronger than when I began. Not weaker, not worn out, not burnt out. Burnout's overrated. It's, 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 uh, try and avoid it. Job 14.7 says, At least there is hope for a tree. If it's cut down, it will sprout again, and its new shoots will not fail. I felt today that God's going to give new shoots to dreams and promises that have been cut down. Trees that you'd think that tree's dead. It's just a stump. And then it shoots again. At least there's hope for a tree. There's hope for a tree this morning. There's hope for trees this morning. When I preached this message of Jubilee, I had a man contact me that week. I've met him. He, looks like, he, he looked like he had a, his life altogether. I've been to his home. He said, my marriage was on the brink of, of, of ending. He said, but like a tree, I believe it's going to sprout again. And I said, thank you so much. And he came for prayer. He wept. And I'm like, I had no idea. You see, we look at people. We see the, super, we see the super, superficial. We see the surface. We don't know what's going on deep in the heart. But God knows what's going on deep in the heart. And I'm speaking to those areas, the trees that have been chopped down this morning. Because God's going to get those trees to rebud and to sprout again. There's hope for those trees. There's hope for every tree in this place this morning. There's hope for every area of your life. Every, any area that's been cut down, any area that you've lost hope, God is pouring hope into it this morning because you are Hope City Church. And as you receive hope, you're going to give hope to your neighbors, hope to your, fam to your friends. Our, our, our neighbor died three weeks ago. Suddenly, my age, just had a heart attack and died. We've got closer now to his wife. We've lived together, neighbors, for 15 years. But all of a sudden, we become best friends. Why? Because we had something to give them. We had hope to give them. We're, we're, we're reaching out. We're, their kids are playing over at our house. We've hardly ever played with them. It's like they've, we've lived just parallel universes. You know, they'll do our bins. We'll do their bins. They go on holiday. We help them out. But now we've become best friends in a time of need. Why? Because we, we're full. We're full of hope. We're full of love. We're full of kindness. Because God's filled our hearts with that. We, we, if someone's in a, in, a, in a trauma, the best person to, to meet that need is a Christian because they've got their feet on the rock. They're anchored. There's a needing world out there. We're in a place of tremendous overflow. We're in a place of we've got so much to give and we've got so much to bless our community with. And you're the hope city. You're the hope of our nation. You're the hope of this region. You're the hope of your neighborhood. You're the hope in your company. You see someone in need and you a coffee break and say, I've noticed that you're not yourself today. What's going on in your world? You're not prying. You're, not, you're just asking as a friend. They, they open their hearts. You're able to pray for them. The following week, you're able to follow it up and just say, how's it going? I'm telling you what, you're touching people's lives every week that they'll never get into church. Well, very seldom find their way into a church meeting where they can be under the word of God like you can. We are equipping you as saints to do the work of the ministry. That's the, the job of the fivefold ministry is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And that's what I'm doing today. God is giving each of you hope again. God is pouring out hope into your hearts. There, in this place, there's, there's healing of, for marriages. There's healing for broken lives. There's healing of people's physical bodies. We're going to pray for people now. I've got a couple of words of knowledge I want to bring out. But God's going to do amazing things in you and through you. What he does to you. He can do through you. He's going to give each of you testimonies from the service. Each of you are going to have a testimony that gives God glory. The testimony of Jesus 
is the spirit of prophecy. Your life is a prophecy. My life is a prophecy to our city and to our nation. God's restored my home. He's restored our marriage. He's restored our finances. God is so good. Every time I see the work of God, I'm like, God, you've been so good to me. I didn't deserve it. It's because of grace. Have you ever heard of grace? I didn't deserve it. I deserved wrath, but God gave me grace instead. Come on. Thank you, Father. I want to finish off with Psalm 42 and verse 5. It says, Why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. Who's, who's speaking there? Who's speaking? Why so downcast, O oh my soul? What is your soul? Your mind, your body, and your emotions. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's your soul. Your body is kind of what we can see. Your soul. Paul speaks about spirit, soul, and body. So this must be his spirit speaking because he's talking to his soul. Why are you so downcast, oh my soul? Isn't it good to step back and look at your soul and say, soul, you're not looking so good today, are you? (laughs) See, because your spirit doesn't get depressed. Your spirit doesn't have a bad day. Your spirit is like, it's like the Holy Spirit. When you got saved, you received the nature of God. You received the very nature of God. You received a new spirit. He took out your heart of stone and he gave you a heart of flesh. The perfect likeness of God. It's our soul that, that is up and down. Our soul that gets discouraged. Our soul that gets information and, and stimuli that put us, take us down and draw us away and, 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 and cause us to be downcast. And so like the psalmist, I want us to look at our soul today and say, Oh soul, why are you downcast? Put your hope in God. That's why I believe in self-talk. That's why I believe when you worship, you need to worship out loud. Your, your ears, your soul needs to hear your voice speaking. And like we did, we spoke psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We spoke them out, out of our mouths, full of the glory of God, triumph. We spoke different scriptures this morning through the songs. Why? Because you, your soul needs to hear your mouth speaking to it. Why are you downcast? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. I will yet praise Him. See, there, there, there's right there shows you where what's involved is your will. I will, or I won't. <laughs> you see, you can be a holy totem pole and just stand in the presence of God. It won't shift your atmosphere. I can't shift your atmosphere. You have to shift your atmosphere because you live with yourself. You can shift your atmosphere. You can look in the mirror and say, Saul, why are you downcast? Put your hope in God. I will yet praise Him, my King and my God. I know that I can overcome this. I know that I'm loved by God. I know that he, 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 I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I know that God's given me everything I need for life and godliness. You see, what I'm doing is I'm talking to my soul. I'm saying, Saul, why are you downcast? Because sometimes you're not even sure exactly why you're downcast. You're a bit emotional sometimes. Like, why am I even depressed? I don't know why I'm depressed. I got food. I got a home. People love me. I got a Hope City church. Why am I downcast? It doesn't matter why. Maybe you know exactly why. It doesn't really matter. Either way, you can step back from your soul 
and say, Soul, get up. Lift your hands and worship. God's worth it. Irrespective of how you feel, He's always worth it. And when you lift Him up, He will lift you up. It's a good word. When you lift Him up, He will lift you up. You want to go up on eagle's wings? Lift Him up. He'll take you up. I went up this morning with Joshua and the team. I went up because I know how to go up. I know that if I'm going to worship. You see, people think that soaking is worship. No, soaking is soaking. <laughs> Listening to worship music is not worshiping. Just want to let you know. There's no silent worship. Just worshiping God silently. No, that's meditation. Worship is, is engagement. Worship is thanks, thankfulness. Worship is proclamation. Work, worship is declaration. Worship is decree. When you decree things, your soul shifts. You are shifting a mindset. You are shifting. I've spoken into prosperity this morning. I've spoken into healing. I've spoken into marriages. I'm trying to shift your atmosphere so that when you leave this place, you're equipped to shift your own atmosphere. Yeah. I don't want to just leave you with a good service that lifted you up for a, a few days. I want to lift you with, leave a message that will lift you up for the rest of your life. I want to equip you to shift your atmosphere whenever you downcast. And you can say to your soul, oh, my soul, while you're downcast, put your hope in God. Can you remember that sermon on hope? Put your hope in God. Let's renew that area of strength. Let's renew that area that's been chopped down because even if a tree dies, it can re-sprout. doesn't matter how dead that tree is, it can still sprout. I want to pray for a couple of people this morning. This are the words that God gave me that I'm just going to pray for. Arthritis that wants to heal. Scleroderma. I don't know what that is, but it sounds like something to do with the skin. I just got that. Right ankle, impaired hearing. Somebody who's had an, uh, a trauma in an accident. People, someone who's gone insolvent. And this might be related to that, but there's someone who's, who's feeling ashamed, either because of some trauma or so some, something's happening to you physical, or it could be something financial. I don't know, but there's some shame that God wants to break. You know, shame can be broken. Yeah. Yeah. Isaiah 61 says, instead of their shame, I will give them my people a double portion. That's why I says, sing, O barren woman, you who never bore a child, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of who has a husband. Come on, no shame. There's no shame in God's presence. Not, you, when, when you failed and sinned, God says he removed our sin as far as the east is from the west and remembers it no more. Now, if he remembers it no more, the only person who can remember it is Satan. He's playing all those old videos where you failed. All those unclean things, he replays them. But God doesn't replay them because you've been forgiven. He doesn't even remember them. He has no record of it. Love has no record of wrongs. And God is love. Come on. <laughs> and then somebody with a lower, lower back pain. I'm not going to pray for everybody. That would be a bad model. I'm just giving the words. I'll pray for one or two people this morning because I want the church to pray for people. I want everybody to be equipped. I want you to pray. Hope City has a team. We're going to pray for you together. But I want you to just bow your, bow your heads and close your eyes for a second before we pray for the sick this morning and pray for those needs. If you're here today and you've found your way into church, either through a friend or through the website or through some way, and you actually don't know Jesus, you haven't yet personally surrendered your life to Him, 
God has no grandchildren. The Bible says that He stands at the door of our hearts and knocks. And if anyone hears His voice and opens the door, He'll come in. God knocks and we have to open the door. He doesn't push His way in. He doesn't force His way into our lives. We, we hear the Word. The Word creates faith. We realize God loves us. And then we open the door to Him. And if you're here today and you don't know God and haven't personally received Him into your life, or if you've for some reason fallen away and today you want to be restored into that place of sonship, just where you're sitting with no one looking around, just raise your hand and say, Finn, that's me today. Just raise your hand. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Thank you. Is anybody else who wants to join this? Thank you. The Bible says there's rejoicing in heaven over just one sinner. Well, there's two this morning. Anybody else want to join these two people and pray a prayer? Just responding to the knocking of God on our hearts. Can we all pray together with these two young people this morning? Let's pray this prayer out loud. Father, thank you for knocking on the door of my heart. I hear the knocking. I open the door to your love, to salvation, to hope, to forgiveness, to deliverance, to restoration in every area of my life. Today is the best day of my life. Jesus, from today onwards, you're my Lord, you're my Savior, you're my future. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.